Uh, look with me, if you will, in uh, Ephesians 2. I'm just going to read for you verses 19 to 22. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And for opportunities to open that together to learn as your church. God, I pray that we recognize that this is your church. It's not about us. It's not about what we want or what even we expect. But it's about you and us submitting to you and honoring you and following you faithfully as your servants together. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, when I was eight years old, I uh, attended my grandmother's church in Texas one time. We went there once a year, usually around Christmas. And um, this particular time, when I was around eight years old, uh, we were downstairs for the kids' program. And then uh, my, my grandmother was uh, still working in the church library, as she did uh, faithfully for years and years. And it was almost time for church to start, so I made my way up uh, on my own to the upstairs and into the auditorium to find a seat. And I went right up front, or close to the very front of the church, and I, I sat down there and waited for my grandma to come. And as soon as I sat down, a little lady came up to me, and she said, excuse me, young man, but you're sitting in my seat. And so I said, well, sorry, ma'am, and I scooted to the side a little bit. And then she said, I'm sorry, son, but that's my husband's seat. And so I apologized again, and I moved to the row back behind her. And then she came, she leaned back to me, and then she said, I'm sorry, young man, but I'm afraid you can't sit there either. That's where my family always sit. And I looked at this dear lady as a way that only eight-year-olds can do, I guess, and I said, ma'am, do you own this church? And she said, um, well, she said, of course not. The church belongs to God, but these seats belong to my family. So... Oftentimes, uh, if you've been around church very long, um, we've seen how people have tried to make church how they want it. They want to sit wherever they want to sit. Uh, they want the lights to be at whatever level they want it to be comfortable. They want the songs to be however they want it to be. And I have found through the years that we so often make the church more about us than about God. Now, let me kind of start this off to say, I absolutely love the church. I know I've said it many times here before. I love the church, and I've actually never not been part of a church. Every week of every one of my 41-plus years, I've been part of a church. Now, sometimes that was a, a local church of uh, 20 people or so every week. For years, that was uh, at my, a church in my hometown where there was about 400 who worshipped every Sunday. Sometimes that was preaching to and sometimes to 1,500. And some of those have been very conservative churches that have had some amazing... and some have had amazing uh, creative arts and been quite edgy, I guess, kind of churches. 
Some sing hymns and some the latest praise songs. And I've sat through some fire and brimstone preaching that would wake up all the neighbors in the area. And I've also had my share of sermons uh, that I struggled to stay awake in. I have experienced through the years uh, the good, the bad, and, and the ugly side of church. And I have found that kind of the bad and the ugly side of church is all to do with the people. It's not to do with God's church. God's church is beautiful. God's church is exciting. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5, if you flip there with me, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. God's church is pure. It's just. It's energizing. It's refreshing. It's challenging. It's engaging. It's exciting. It's fresh. It's exhilarating. And it's safe. Now that's the sort of church you want to go to, isn't it? It's a church that's just exciting and, and thrilling to go to. And that's what God's church is all about. It, it's a church who not only meets our, our desires, but it's a church in which God is changing us and God is challenging us that's not always easy to be a part of. Because what we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to, uh, to allow God to change us? Are we willing to allow God to challenge us? Are we willing to allow God to use us? Because that's what it takes to be part of God's sort of church. This church that's engaging and exciting and exhilarating. A church that is fresh and new. Ephesians chapter 4 11 to 13, says this about the church. It was he, it was God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is a beautiful church where we all work together to lead each other closer to God. So there are three things I think we need to, to recognize about God's church and how sometimes that may differ from a church that we're always comfortable with. Being part of a church doesn't mean we're always going to get an oil change and a tune-up while we're, we're sitting here. We're always going to get everything we want when we ask of the church. But being part of a church... God's church, the way He wants it to be, can mean a few things for us. There's a few things we need to understand about God's church. First of all, I want to say we need to understand that the church is meant to be God's church. It was started by God in the very beginning. Matthew, in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, Upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We tend to think that church is, is our idea and should be formed how we want it. Uh, we should be able to, to, to worship at it however we see fit. We should be able to serve in it however we see fit. But we need to recognize that we are not the ones who have the control in the church. The church belongs to the Lord God. I was rereading a book this week. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the expression sacred cows, but it's just things that are 
you, you just they're dear to you, near and dear to you, and you can't hold on, or you, you can't let go of. Uh, I was reading a book this week by William Eason called Sacred Cows Make Gourmet Burgers, uh, and it's talking about sacred cows in the church, and it talks about the sacred cow of, of control. It says control is a sacred cow of the church, and making decisions and controlling what happens is often more important in established churches than making disciples. Now that's a hard, that was a hard thing actually for me to, to read. As a, as a pastor, as someone who's been involved in the church, as someone that loves the church, to say, for many established churches, making decisions and controlling what happens is actually more important to us than making disciples. Making disciples being leading people to Jesus and, and maturing them in that faith discipling them, leading them closer and closer to God. How sad is that, that we often want to be the ones who run the church. We want to be the ones who decide everything that happens instead of following God's lead. We need to recognize the church belongs to God. It is God who started the church from the beginning. The church is not only started by God, the church is led by God. Jesus says a beautiful passage in John chapter 10 where he talks about that he's a good shepherd and, and he knows his sheep and they know him and he, he leads them where they need to go. And in John chapter 10, verse 8 to 10, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep and all who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. They come in and they go out and they find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus says it is the church belongs to him and he will lead his people. We just have to trust him to do that. We have to let go of those reins. Now I told you I, one of the first jobs I had was growing up at a horse farm and, and saddle breaking horses and, and training them. And you don't want to let go of those reins because you feel like you've got a little bit of control at least when you, you pull back the reins and, and try to slow that horse down. Well, too often in the church, we're afraid to let go of the reins. We're afraid to just recklessly abandon all that control and trust God. When God says in His church, that's exactly what He wants. That's exactly what He's waiting on so often as a church is for us to let go of some of that control and say, God, we're going to follow Your lead. God, rather than locking ourselves into committee meetings, we're going to lock ourselves into prayer meetings. And sitting and debating about what we should do, we're going to bow down and trust you in prayer. We're going to try to pray together. We're going to try to follow you in your lead. The church is not only created by God and, and led by God, but is supported by God. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, as I read before, it says, In God, the whole church is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. God will give us everything we need to accomplish the ministry that He calls us to. God will provide all that we need. So often we, we are controlled more by, by the budget or uh, by the bank account or we're controlled by the number of volunteers that we have or we're controlled by what other churches are doing or what we've heard of happening in other churches and we need to be controlled by whatever God says do is what we need to do whenever God says go excuse me we need to go when God says stop we need to stop we need to uh, trust in his provision in his grace in his strength and we need to recognize that the church belongs to God the second thing we need to realize about God's church is it's not only His, 
It's meant to be God's church, not ours, but it's also meant to be challenging for us. Now, hold on, we don't like that, do we? We want a church that's comfortable. We want a church that, that is always singing the songs that we like, that says that he, he's a good, good father and, and brings us songs of, uh, it brings us good feelings, kind of warm, fuzzy feelings. You know, the, uh, the, this nice, beautiful, warm, fuzzy feeling where you're just you're surrounded by pillows and uh, you're nice and, and cozy. Maybe on these winter nights when you're just under about 10 blankets and you're nice and snug and warm. That's how we want church to be, isn't it? We want to come and be comforted and feel nice and snug and happy. And those challenging messages, we're happy for the pastor or the, the songs or whatever to bring those challenging messages as long as they're for somebody else. That, that's for somebody else, isn't it? And how often, how often I've been preaching a message and I've heard at the end of the sermon, oh man, that was great. Oh, but man, you know who I wish was here. He needed to hear that message today, didn't he? Or she needed to hear that message. And I think, have you looked in the mirror? Yeah, we might all need to hear that message. In fact, I found the most painful thing about preaching. Now, I've, I've preached since, what, 1991. And the most painful thing I've found about preaching is that God speaks to me. He challenges me with every single message. It's annoying. He won't let me go. He just keeps challenging me. He keeps stepping on my toes. And I used to have people, I'd be on the way out of church and people would be going, oh man, you stepped on my toes today. Oh, you just let me have it. Like you're just preaching right to me. And other people are going, well, I don't really appreciate that too much. Because you know what's going on in my life and you just preach that straight to me. I want to say God gives me the, the message. God gives the pastor the message that he wants to, to lead the church with. And he challenges that pastor with that first. He challenges that messenger with that first. The, the, the ministries that we do, God ministers to us in order for us to minister to others. And part of that is he challenges us because he loves us. We often want to choose the the sermons and the songs and the tasks. But God wants to change our hearts, to challenge our lives. And that often is not comfortable. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14 says this, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to still teach you the elementary truths of God's Word over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. But anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now I love this passage because it challenges us to grow in our faith, to mature and to allow God's Word, to allow us to get to know God's Word, challenge us to get to know God's Word, and to allow God's Word to change us. Now we're comfortable learning it, we're comfortable memorizing the Scripture, but all being challenged by that, being changed by the Scripture, being changed by the Word of God, being directed by God, that's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different story. And we're so often unwilling to be changed by God. And the writer of Hebrews says that, says, look, you as, as believers in God, you should be mature in your faith by now. You should know the instruction of God. It should have changed your life so radically that you're, you're mature followers of God. You know what's right and you know what's wrong and it should change how you live, but you're still like babies. You're still like infants. Now, that's not the kind of message we want to hear, is it? You don't want to hear the pastor say, you're all a bunch of babies. 
You're all on still on the milk when you should be on the solid food. But so often that's us. We have to be willing to allow God to change us and to allow His Word to lead our lives. But the church is meant to be challenging, not only because it's challenging when God changes, but it's challenging when God wants to humble us. It's in His church that we realize it's not about us. We have a part to play in God's plan, but it's each of us working together as humble servants. Colossians 3, 17 actually says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We have to recognize that what we're called to do in the church is not about status, it's not about building our reputation as super-Christians, it's about serving God as a humble servant, following in Christ's example of humility, who being equal with God, humbled himself to become a man, and even humbled himself to death, even the death on the cross, the worst sort of punishment for the worst sort of sinners, so that through him we might have life. We have to be challenged to be humble, and that's not always easy, because we live in a society that says it's all about me. It's all about status. It's all about how you look in the eyes of others. But I want to tell you, the world is sick and tired of churches being filled with Christians who want to look like super-Christians. They want to see people who are real. They want to see people who, who struggle and whose lives are transformed by God's grace. But too often we want it to look about like us. We want it to look about how good we look. We want people to know how much Bible we know. We want people to know how much we go to church and how many ministries we're involved in. But are they seeing that God is changing us? Are they seeing that our heart is becoming more humble? Our heart is becoming more like Christ and less like the world. It's challenging when God wants to humble us. And it's challenging when God wants to unite us. Over and over, not only in Ephesians, but in many of Paul's writings, he uses this beautiful imagery of the body of Christ. And how we are each part of that body, with Christ as the head of the body, to lead the church. And we are all important parts to be fitted together as only He can, to use us for His glory. Now the challenging part of that, again, is we often, we want to be the head. Or we want to be what we think is an important part, and not less so. And so often we, we don't want to go for, be forced to work together. Because we might not get what we want. You know, that's a challenging thing with, with working with a church, is you don't always get what you want. In fact, you may not often get what you want. But the important thing is that we get what God wants. And too often, I think churches are going the direction that the majority of the church want, and they have no clue what God wants, because they haven't even asked. Because we want it whatever the majority leads, or we want it however, um, however our, our personal inclination is. And not what God wants in leading the church. A challenge of being united together. A challenge of working together is we have to let go of everything. We let go of that control. We let go of the power. We let go of the pride. And we'd be willing to serve together. Now I've literally had people say to me through the years, I'm not working with him. You expect me to work with him? He's not as good at that as I am. And I've had people on worship teams say, 
oh, why is she part of this team anyway? Have you heard her sing? She's not talented. She's not good. So often, we want our ministry to be about what we like, and we're not willing to even give people a try. We're not willing to grow people closer and closer to God. But the church is also challenging because God works through us. He calls us to deeper waters. Love, even the part of the song that we, we just sang in Good, Good Father says, and he, he calls me deeper still. And he calls me deeper still, and he calls me deeper to love, love, love. But I want to say God also, he challenges us to go out into the deep waters. We're not always comfortable. My kids love swimming in the, the edge of the lake here or, or kayaking in the lake here. Why? Because it's easy and it's comfortable. And if they fall out, well, they do. Even my, my son, as, as small as Sai is, he just stands up. The water's not deep. It's great. We love it as parents because we feel safe and we feel okay. You can keep, kind of keep an eye on everybody. But God doesn't always ask us to just keep serving in this. He asks us to trust Him in big, huge ways because we have a good and an amazing and an awesome God is able to work miracles. And he doesn't ask us to just trust him and follow him and serve him when it's easy, when it's shallow, and when it's comfortable. He asks us to go out in the deep end, to go out into the sea, and to go out and to jump in and to trust him. He is a miracle-working God. I don't know when the church stopped trusting that God is a miracle-working God. But it's happened. Through the decades, through the generations, we stopped believing in the powerful God that we serve. We stopped trusting Him to work through us. And we went out and said, God, I can't tell people about Jesus. I don't know what to say. God, I don't, I don't know how to help this marriage. God, I don't know how to help these people who are suffering. God just says, I do know how. I know how to help. I know how to heal. I know how to restore. I want you to go. I want you to trust. I want you to jump out into that deeper water. I want to work through you. You have to be willing to, you have to be willing to go. Man, being a part of a church is challenging because God works through us. He wants us to trust Him, to step back out of the way and to trust. But thirdly, I want us to rec recognize that the church is meant to be demonstrating God to others. We demonstrate God through humility and mission, through loving our enemies, through crossing barriers, through stepping out of our comfort zone, as I mentioned, and just loving and showing grace. Caring for people who nobody else is caring for. Loving people who aren't very lovely. Showing Christ-like humility. Christ-like care for others. We demonstrate God through power and, and healing. We've often stopped expecting God to change us. To heal us, to restore us, to help us. What happened to those great passages of Scripture that says, God is my stronghold. God is my help. God is a mighty tower. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. A miracle-working God. We often, as Christians, don't even show an interest in church. We don't show an interest in God being part of our lives. We're more interested in the things of the world. Again, I was reading a book this week by Larry Crabb called Real Church. And he's talking about his love of coffee. And he said it's kind of a new thing now in, in, um, in modern culture, especially Australian culture, where uh, everyone's drinking coffee. People who didn't even drink coffee are hanging out in coffee shops and they're, 
they're drinking hot water or they're drinking hot chocolate or whatever it is to kind of be in that coffee sort of environment. And Larry Crabb says, he, he goes, I love my coffee and I, I, I've never even liked coffee before. But I, I love it and I love that sort of environment and just hanging out with people. And I can't get enough of my certain coffee shop. And I always see the same people there because they love their coffee and they're hanging out there and they're talking. But he says in this book, I wish I were as addicted to the church in the same way that I'm addicted to my local coffee shop. Because he said, I'm there every morning and I want to hang out with the same people and I, I love what they offer and I love what it gives to me. He said, I wish I had that same sort of drive for the church. And I think a, a church that really recognizes who God is, a church that's really allowing God to change us and to challenge us and to be <clears throat> used by God is a church that, that, that just draws us in. It's a church that draws people in from the community. We have to recognize that the church is seen by the community is irrelevant. We need to be demonstrating God's love, uh, demonstrating God through love and grace. But the church is often not even seen as important anymore. I'm not saying that God's church is not relevant. I'm actually saying that the church and what it has become has become irrelevant in the community. Now, the church used to be the center of the community. Literally, the church was often built in, in our colonies, in our early communities, and the, the community was built around it. Then through time, it changed to just be a place where at least everyone was, was married and buried in the church. But now, it's actually seen, the church is seen as detached and irrelevant. And you'll hardly even see anyone in church, even for a wedding or a funeral. We, because we have stopped, as a church, we've stopped demonstrating God. we stopped demonstrating His love and His grace. God's love changes everything. Can you remember in your own life when you first became a Christian? Can you recognize the sin that's in your life and yet the grace that God gives? Man, God's love changes everything. It's part of our... Our Baptist National Anthem, as I mentioned the other week, Amazing Grace, it says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved an old wretch like me. Because I once was lost, and now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God's love radically changes us. An old hymn, many of you would know, put it this way. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. Isn't that a beautiful old hymn? But it's interesting, even this old hymn, how we've changed it through the years. The, the, original, um, the original word it says, would, would, would Christ do that? Would he devote that sacred head for such a, such a worm as I? And then people didn't like that word worm. Like, I don't want to be called a, a worm. And so they changed it to such a wretch as I. And then think, well, that's not very good either, is it? We're no wretch. So then the hymn has changed in different hymnals to be so into to someone such as I or person such as I. And we've changed and we've changed the same hymn, the same way we want to see things to be more comfortable for us. When the Bible says we are a wretched sinner, we deserve death, we, we are worse than a worm. 
And yet God loves us so much that that grace transforms us and it changes us and it challenges us. We need to speak of the life-changing power of God and demonstrate it in God's church. Demonstrating God to our community. Finally, we need to demonstrate God through justice and righteousness. For too long, the church has been saying the right thing and then doing the wrong thing. We've become more of a, a social club that's not changing the community. Man, the church is why the community is... why good things were happening in the community for, for decades and for generations. Hospitals came because of the church, because of Christian individuals recognizing people need to be cared for and, and needed that sort of care. Schools came because of church, because people need, wanted... People to have good education. Christians cared for people in the community and taught them how to read and write and form schools. Political reform often happened because of the church. Laws and governing forces changed through time because of the church, because people wanted to uphold what is right, and what is ethical, what is moral. When did the church stop trusting that God is a God of justice and righteousness? And when did we stop being challenged by God to live like that? When did we become comfortable just hanging out with other Christians? When did we stop being bold to step out on faith? We need to understand about the church that it's meant to be God's church, not ours. We need to understand that it's meant to be challenging for us and we need to understand that we are meant to be demonstrating God to our community. I'll just pray that our church, and not just our church as, as lakes, but the, God's, the, the, church, the churches in which we serve in our community, I pray that we strive to be this sort of church, a church that is surrendered and humbled, faithfully serving God together. Let's just pray. God, I thank you and I praise you for the institution of your church. God, I thank you for the way you have challenged us to, to join together and to serve you faithfully with our unique differences and our unique opinions and our unique giftedness and god you you have brought us together to serve in this time in this season in this community in this way and to follow you with that to allow it to be your church to not have the control but to be the servants to allow you to challenge us and to change us to be more like you and to allow us to demonstrate together your grace and your justice and your strength and your might For God, it is you who want to transform this community. It is you who will transform the marriages. It is you who will heal in the families. It is you who will heal in the sickness as we just trust in you, our great and our mighty and our strong God. God, we love you. Help us to serve you together as your church. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.